Thank you, Phil. And you other guys, too. Good to see you all here this morning. And uh, glad there were a lot of people in the early service as well, because we are continuing to grow. I know it doesn't feel that way, and that's why I keep saying it. It doesn't feel that way because the service doesn't have as many people in it. That's because a bunch of them are in the early service. So remember that when you look around and say, where is everybody? Because I have to remind myself, too, I think they're all at the Packer game. But there isn't one. So, you know, who knew? Today I want to talk about an inconvenient journey, and that's, I want you to hang on to that word, inconvenient, because I think there's a point in our lives where our faith walk and our walk with Christ becomes a little inconvenient, and we need to battle against that idea and that mindset by doing things again that God has called us to do and becoming what he wants us to become. That takes the inconvenience out. So hang on to that word. I'm going to get to it. But I want to remind you of something first. Tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, right, 9 o'clock, we're loading all these boxes into cars and trucks and vehicles and vans and hauling them to the next site, which is the gathering place where all of them in the city will come to. And um, if you've never done that, it's really kind of cool because you get to see all the other people that are bringing in boxes as well. But if you can help load and uh, get those things there, that would be a great Thing. I have a doctor's appointment, so I won't be there. So you better make it. How convenient of me. What an inconvenient journey. Okay. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. I've been reading through <clears throat> the Pauline epistles, or Paul's letters to the church again, and studying them at length. And I found some interesting things that kind of, not that I didn't know this before, but kind of put some things in order for me. Paul did some things to, said some things to the church, every single one of them, time and time again. He always greeted them, told them that he loved them, that he was proud of them, that he was praying for them. He also always told them that he had a problem with them. That's part of the job. He also always told them the gospel over and over again throughout all of his letters. It's an amazing thing to look at, that he keeps referring back to this amazing truth of Christ and him crucified. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 7 through 13 says this, I became a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the, last, than the least of all of, God, of the Lord's people, the grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the, administ- the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, listen to this, through the church, that's us, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished In Christ Jesus our Lord. In Him and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Let's start with the very beginning. Paul says, I I have some, I'm just not drinking it. Thanks, though, because you know, if I need a gallon, I have it now. She's going to yell at me later. All right. I became, 
This is where it begins with all of us. We start out in this Christian life by accepting Christ as our personal Savior. He comes into our life, and this transformation happens. And I don't ever want to downplay that or let you think that there's not something just major significant that happens when we come to Christ. There is a transformation that takes place almost instantly. I've talked to a lot of people that I've prayed with over the years and others that other people have prayed for, and I've asked them one simple question. What does it feel like, or what did you experience when you accepted Christ as your Savior? And a lot of them have some of the same answers. A lot of them just say, I felt this like this weight lifted off of me. Anybody relate? Like something just, wow, what, what was that I was carrying? Oh, the weight of your sin. That's what it was. And the Lord lifted that off of you and he felt this amazing release and relief that comes from knowing Christ as your personal Savior. Some of them said other things, but there's always this sense of, I became. And Paul said, I became an apostle. I became something different than I was before. This salvation, this became as a gift. There's nothing we can do to earn it. There's nothing we can do to make it better. There's nothing we can do to transplant it, to move it across. It's that moment, that gift, that salvation. It happens. It's real. It's genuine. It's transformative. It's a gift. But it's just the beginning. It's just a toe in the water. And that doesn't mean it's less important or less valuable, but it means that it's a starting point. It's where we begin in our walk with the Lord. Now, how many of you have known the Lord for like ever? 20 years, 30 years, 110. How many of you less than 10 years? See, not many, right? Most of us have known the Lord for a long time. And after a while, it becomes something different than what we started out with. That early strength. We start out strong. Say, God has been so good. What an amazing thing happened to me. Many of you went home and told your family, and a lot of them accepted Christ too. And you're worshiping together in the church together, husband and wife, both non-believers at one point, now radically changed. That's an amazing story, isn't it? That in and of itself is an incredible testimony. We start out strong. We start out confident. We start out feeling free. We start out with this determination because God just did this amazing thing in us and we actually felt this relief from our past life. And then something begins to change the longer we walk with him. And that's why I called this inconvenient because there comes this point where we kind of lose the fervor, the freshness, the radicalness of it, the transformation that Christ put in us is no longer fresh. And we try to get it back sometimes, but I'm just telling you it's different for a reason. It's different for a reason. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 say this, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy 
made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. This is that death to life understanding. We were dead in our trespasses and into our transgressions. We didn't even know it sometimes, did we? We're just living because that's how you live. We're doing what everybody else does. We're, we're just living our lives apart from Christ and trying to be the best person we can, or maybe not, or not as much of a scoundrel as the next guy. But we haven't had that transformation yet. When Christ comes into our life, it changes everything. Changes the way we look at life, changes the way we think, changes the way we believe, changes the way our heart feels, changes everything. And it's that death-to-life moment. We lived in open disobedience to God. And at some point, it dawned on us that I'm a sinner. It dawns on us, I'm a sinner. And I need a Savior. And when that revelation comes into your life, it's a big, hairy deal, isn't it? And you bow before the cross and you say, Lord, please forgive me. And he does. And it's that death-to-life moment. Everything's different. We look at the world sometimes and we unfortunately tend to be a little judgmental. What we don't realize is they've not experienced this yet. What we sometimes forget is they don't know the love of God. They're living their lives as lost people because that's what they are. And we can't expect anything different out of them because they haven't received this grace yet. They don't know the love of God yet. They're just living. They're still in that transgressions stage. We're dead in our transgressions. That's the way the world lives. And it is by grace you've been saved. God's gift to you. So let's move on. <clears throat> Once you're freed, don't secede. In other words, there's no turning back. In him and through him, faith in him, <clears throat> we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Now we're free to approach God with freedom and confidence. That's an amazing thing to me. Not only am I free to walk into the presence of God personally, one-on-one, he and I, but I can do it confidently. Now a lot of us struggle with that, don't we? God sees my sin, he sees what I am, he sees what I'm doing, he sees all of the mistakes that I've made. Yeah, go ahead, write them out if you have to, and say, here I am, Lord, just another sinner, please give me life again. Then stand up in confidence, because you are the redeemed of the Lord. Don't ever forget it. And don't ever live like you're not. And that's where most of us lose it. We get stuck in this mode of, I've been doing this so long that it's just a habit. It's just the way I live. It's just the way I do things. But we need that freshening, that newness, that confidence again, that God is faithful and forgiving and gracious all the time. And we also need to remember that when you enter into Christ, you enter into a war zone. The world is contrary 
to Christ. The world is contrary to the church. It's the very nature of the world to be contrary to Christ. And when we live in the world, and we've got stuff to do in this world, we are walking into enemy territory, and guess what? Their leader hates you. Satan hates you. Because you reflect the image of God in the darkness. You're the light he's trying to snuff out. The Christ in you is who he wants to kill. And so we walk in this war zone, and we forget sometimes that this is our life from now on. We live at peace with the Father, but we're at war with everything that's not of God. And you can live that way in confidence and freedom, or you can win, fight that way without being prepared, without being ready, without being aware, and just hope for the best. But the world is darkness, and Christ is the light, and you are the light of the world. The world is in bondage, and you're free. Live in that freedom. The world wonders about God, even hates God. God has given you confidence to walk into his very throne room and talk to him. We're in a war. Don't ever forget it. See, that, and that brings me to this point. This Christian life requires effort. It requires effort. And if we're just trying to coast along and hope we can get along and just read enough scripture to get by, pray on Sunday when the pastor prays, and that's it. We're going to miss the whole point of it all. And we become deceived. Because the Christian life takes effort. In fact, it's a little inconvenient. And the longer you walk with him, it feels like it's more inconvenient as time goes on. And we get into the practice of the new habits, the new lifestyle. I do this, I don't do that. Without the resurrection life of God's presence in our lives. And that changes everything. This life requires effort. It develops new standards for us in living. New habits. And living in the surrender becomes inconvenient because we have to keep doing it even though we don't feel like it anymore. I have an interesting quote here by a guy named Alice Cooper. Anybody ever heard of him? Anybody ever listen to his music? Shame on you. Alice Cooper was raised the son of a Methodist minister. Did you know that? And his rebellion went full-blown, man. As far out, as far away from God, as far as his upbringing, as far away from anything he knew to be life and truth as could possibly be imagined. And yet, a few years ago, he started his journey back it's a great story. You should read it. And he made this point. Drinking beer is easy. 
Trashing your hotel room is easy. But being a Christian, that's a tough call. That's rebellion. Rebellion. We don't like that word because it somehow reflects on us that we were going the wrong way. But when you're rebelling against everything that's in this world, it's not. You see, Christians are going a different direction. The world is going this way, and we're going just the opposite direction. The world is walking away from God. We're walking closer. The world is embracing all of the things that satisfy the flesh, and we are chasing after the things that give us eternal life, freedom, liberty in Christ, the confidence that we have. We're in rebellion. We're in rebellion against this world. We're in rebellion against the king of this world whom Christ came to defeat. We're the church of the crucified and resurrected Christ. And that sets us apart. Rebellion from the world. And Paul says this amazing thing in this passage. He talks about this manifold wisdom of God. He said, God is revealing this thing to me. Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. This manifold wisdom of God he talks about is this amazing revelation that he received. You see, what happened to Paul was, he hated the church, tried to kill it. And God knocked him on his, off his, well, it's the same word. And he's going along and all of a sudden, transformation. And he goes away and he learns and he studies for three years. And this is what he comes back with. All of the Old Testament that he'd studied all of his life, poured himself into the Pharisee of the Pharisees, the smart intellectual guy who knew it all. And he came back to when he discovered Christ and Christ transformed his life. He came back to this Old Testament enlightened. All of a sudden, he saw all of the prophecies of Christ. All of a sudden, all of those prophecies that he knew by heart, many of them, changed overnight into a revelation of who Jesus was, the Christ, the Son of God. That kind of transformation happens when we get into this understanding and apply this understanding in our lives. I pray that out of, this, out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It's an unending truth, unending truth through the Holy Spirit. It just keeps going. It never stops. You've never learned enough. You've never understood enough. There's more that God wants you to know, and he's going to walk you through it. And it's going to be real inconvenient sometimes because you're going to have to set other things aside to pursue what Christ has called you to. You're going to have to put other things aside to pursue what Christ has called you to. You're going to have to set your priorities differently and it's real inconvenient. But do it. 
Don't ever give up. Because God has a revelation of more of who he is. And you'll find it in the book. It's there. But we've sat and it's sitting on our shelves and it's full of dust and we haven't taken it down and prayed, oh God, make it new and fresh to me. Today I need that revelation knowledge. That ability to look into the Bible and say, this is what God has to say to me today. It's not just a book we study. Think about Paul. He studied it all his life and knew it. And then he met Jesus. And that book became very different to him. That freshness, that unending truth through the Holy Spirit. It's more than just maintenance. We're just walking in maintenance. We're going to fail. Because maintenance means you've got old equipment that's breaking down and you need to keep fixing it. And God wants to bring some newness and some freshness into our lives. And give us a new direction and a new hope and a new belief that's new today. And it's going to be inconvenient. It's going to be inconvenient. But it's necessary. It's really necessary that we trade the old for the new. See, we're still becoming. We never arrive. There's only one place that we're going to arrive And that's when we step into heavens through the gates that God has opened for us and says, well done, good and faithful servant. Then I'm done. Then the burden's off. The cross is laid down. I have nothing new to do other than to worship him and to tell him how much I love him. But that day is not yet. And until that day, I just keep on walking and saying, God, keep me real Keep me fresh, keep me free, and keep me confident in this salvation. It's the old becoming new again. The old salvation, that first day when I walked with him, it's new today. It's fresh today. It's a new beginning. It's a new walk. Because we're walking as children of light, and we don't want to ever go back to the darkness. I don't ever want my salvation to just be something I've worked out all by myself and I've got all the things in a row. And I know just what to do and I know just what to say. And it keeps everybody wondering if I really ever, ever was lost at any time in my life. But you know what? As a Christian, as a pastor, as a husband and as a father, I've been lost. I've lost my faith from time to time. It's become stale to me. And it's just become something I'm trying to work out. And I pray, oh Lord, don't ever let me get there again. Don't ever let this become routine and rote to me. May the joy of the salvation of Christ consume my heart so that I can walk after you confidently and free and do exactly what you've called me to do. Lose the inconvenient and become transformed, walking as children of light. It's the same God, it's the same gospel, it's the same power, it's the same truth. It just needs to be refreshed in all of us on a regular basis so that we don't 
ever, ever let the world think for one minute that the church is something less than God intended it to be. That the work that we do is somehow less than just serving the king. That the, we look at our work in the church and say, we've arrived, we've done what we need to do. How can we ever look up in the face of the Lord who hung on a cross and died for every person outside these walls and saying we've done enough? We can't, can we? We can't. So help us walk as children of light. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, thank you for this amazing salvation, this gospel. It still transforms us. And we need a renewal, Lord. We need a freshness, Lord. Many of us have become complacent. We found our place in the church. We found our place in our salvation. And we've set our placemat there and said, this is it. We haven't arrived before your throne yet. And I know you still have stuff for us to do. Eternal work for the kingdom. So Lord, we ask today, by your spirit, Bring this renewal to us. Bring this renewal to our church. Bring this renewal to our staff. Bring this renewal to every seat, every person. So that our salvation is again fresh and new, exciting. So we break out of the old and become new in Christ all over again with a new vision, a new direction, a new hope, a new life, and with new power. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.